With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The chief death is a power only one has achieved. But if we work together, I know we can discover the secret. <laughs> Masters and Padawans to episode 128 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Bobby Roberts, Brian Young, Amy Ratcliffe. Everybody's here today, and we have a lot to talk about, considering some amazing things went on this weekend. And, uh, Brian, what's uh, going to be some of the topics that we're going to be touching up on this evening? Well, this weekend was D23, which is the giant Disney fan convention, and they had uh, a, a couple of presentations that had Star Wars focuses on them. And we're going to be talking about a lot of that. There were a lot of announcements. There was a lot of uh, information that was officially revealed. There was a poster. There's some game news. Uh, and, you know, maybe a little thing about a uh, Disney Park kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, just a little thing about Disney Parks, Star Wars something. Amy, yeah. you were there. And uh, I'm guessing the way you sound today that you've had an amazing weekend. You know, I have had a pretty great weekend. and. I will say D23 Expo, they only have it every two years. So the first time and last time I went was in 20, what, 2013. And they stepped up their game. They, they, they brought it, I guess, as you would say. <laughs> it's been brung. Bobby, um, what's <laughs> one of the first things that we wanted to actually talk about tonight before we get well, into all the D23 things? Well, from what I understand, like a lot of fans uh, were looking forward to D23, sort of like San Diego Comic-Con Part 2. Um, there was a lot of stuff that people were expecting, uh, and it turns out that D23, uh, for as much as they brought it, to use the parlance of the young, uh, <laughs> we're the podcast for the old folks here, so I don't really know what the young folks are saying. I'm not up on their vernacular. I don't even know what's been brought, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Someone brought something, apparently, to D23, uh, but it's not quite San Diego Comic-Con Part 2, uh, and we first got an inkling that it wasn't going to be that. Uh, when Entertainment Weekly dropped their fall movie preview, which was essentially just a whole bunch of movies that you kind of want to see, and then Anthony Bresnikan writing about Star Wars for 25 pages. Uh, so a lot of the information that I think people were expecting to hear at D23 first started dropping uh, online and in the pages of Entertainment Weekly. Uh, and uh, we got some interesting uh, tidbits. Um, they kept getting uh, dribbled and drabbled out to us. Um, I don't think the young people are using those terms, are they? Are, are they dribbling? Uh, they could well be, uh, ironically, though. Oh, okay. of course, of course, ironically. Like, never with a straight face. Like, they're wearing all the clothes that I threw out in 1992 because they were whack. And I think that's a term that they... Whack? Is that... Wiggity-whack, my... actually. Oh, no, that's... No, so... I know that you committed a foul. <laughs> like, not supposed to. That's a foul. I know that for a fact. <laughs> 
there was uh, there was a lot of really interesting small tidbits that came out of that Entertainment Weekly stuff. I think uh, mm-hmm. the most surprising that I'd like to talk about uh, that has caused the most consternation amongst a certain group of fans mm-hmm. is the fact that Simon Pegg what acted as J.J. Abrams' bounce board for yeah. the script. And he's kind of like the consigliere, as a matter of fact. He he sounds like that's the position that he takes in the uh, the bad robot camp. He's not necessarily going to have his name on a screenplay uh, for J.J. Abrams, and he's not necessarily going to have like a story by credit or something. But it really does sound like J.J. will bounce things off Peg. And if Peg gives the thumbs up, then J.J. will kind of move forward on that. Does, is, is that sound out of bounds to you? I, I, no, I think... Um... I think the thing that's interesting about it is that, I mean, Simon Pegg is probably one of the most talented screenwriters working in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I think Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and The World's End, uh, which are screenplays that he wrote, like display a mastery of storytelling acumen and, and, and a mastery of genre that very few people care to have these days. Yeah, and I do like that you're giving him credit for the screenplay. I mean, yes, he co-wrote them with Ed, uh, Edgar Wright, but a lot of people just sort of tend to look at Simon Pegg's contributions to those films as solely as an actor and not well, being as, in them. Yeah, 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 and they don't and they don't look at him as someone who helped come up with the story and helped pace everything and write down the gags that are falling out of everybody's mouths. And 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 maybe that's partly because I um I've had the opportunity to interview him a couple of times at San Diego Comic Con, and screenwriting is kind of where like he almost seemed disinterested in talking about the acting part. It was the story he wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, and the writing process. And for as much as I admire him for an art as an artist in that, in that way, um, his opinions about the prequels rub a lot of people the wrong way because he's, um, almost hypocritical about it where, (laughs) well, I mean, he, he's (laughs) known for saying like nerds are people who should love things passionately and, and shouldn't care what anybody else says. Right. Yeah. And then he goes around and completely takes steaming craps on anybody who likes the prequels. I don't think he takes craps on people who like the prequels. I think yeah, just, I thought it was just, just on the prequels. Yeah, at, well, at, at which point it's not hypocritical because his advice was, don't get mad at me because I don't like a thing you like. Um, he just said yeah. that. I mean, so, so, and I'm not mad at him for not liking the prequels. Yeah. Uh, personally, I, uh, I think his views are... Uh, short-sighted, but they are his nonetheless, and I can't argue with him about them. And were I to, that would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is that a lot of people are saying, nope, uh, Simon Pegg hates so much of Star Wars. A, he doesn't deserve a seat at the table. Oh, and And B, that he's going to overwrite the prequels. And I would like to calm people about this. Okay, mm-hmm. That's not possible. If yeah. the prequels were going to get overwritten, they would have thrown them out with the expanded universe and named them legendary back mm. when they did that. See, this just entire... <laughs> talked about it a couple times on the show now. We need to stop looking at Star Wars through this prism, like this sole singular prism. And did I say prism? It rhymes with schism because that's what it is. We need to stop with this, like taking any and all information and trying to figure out how to funnel it back into a fight over the prequels versus the original. Stop I, it. I, I, this is, this is not me. I'm, I'm I, know, I, know it's you. I know it's not you, but I'm just saying there is oh. a huge contingent of the fan base who self-identifies and validates their place in that fan, fan base solely 
by trying to figure out how to make everything about a prequel fight again. And it's it's dumb. It's beyond dumb. And it's 15 years old and it's tired. And people just need to figure out and somehow internalize what Simon Pegg actually said in his book, which you just quoted. Figure out how to stay a fan of something and not get mad at other people for not liking things the way you like them. You need to figure out how to do that because you're making fandom terrible. I didn't realize people thought about the prequel so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's nuts. Really, it? they do. It's like it's, it's apparent on social media. You mentioned the prequels, and it's just this barrage of hell. You mentioned well, Simon. You, you mentioned Simon Pegg, and people jump in like he's some sort of I don't know barbarian at the gates. He's just a guy who didn't like three movies all that much. That's all he is. Yeah, that he, doesn't mean he 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 gets disallowed. He gets barred from Star Wars fandom. It doesn't make you the gatekeeper that says the guy in Hot Fuzz is no longer allowed to be a Star Wars fan. Look, if he doesn't like the movies you like, big deal. You know, like it's kind of the same thing with when they announced J.J. Abrams doing Force Awakens. It's not fair because he did Star Trek and now he's doing Star Wars. And then I've been hearing people complain about Simon Pegg. He hates the prequels and he shouldn't be in it because he was in Star Trek. It's all it's ridiculous. This, I mean, this no, goes Can back. I say that I actually, actually kind of, res- I mean, I disagree with Simon Pegg, but I, I respect that he has his opinions, and I respect that he doesn't bother to keep quiet about them, because I feel like some people, given that situation, would rather not say anything about the prequels, even if they hate them, yeah. just in case there were an opportunity to later, mm-hmm. I don't know, be in Star Wars. So no, you're absolutely I, right. I respect that he is not shy. Of, I mean, does that make sense? That he's not shy about expressing his opinion for the sake of being politically correct. He's being him. He's sticking to his guns. Um, and it, so it's sort of it. This entire mindset is sort of predicated on the idea that there's a bunch of grumpy people at Lucasfilm with arms folded who are like sort of dangling keys to the car in front of somebody and then yanking them away because you don't like Watto. Like that's not how they're making decisions. <laughs> not that's, that's not well, how thank that works. God. There's, there's there's two things I want to say. I mean, first. Um, even if Simon Pegg came in and said, how can we rewrite the prequels in this movie? It's yeah. just not possible. No, it's not. A right. Thing. It's, um, not a thing. it's, it's not something that can happen. And worst case scenario. I mean, you're looking at a guy who relied on his friend to bounce ideas off of, to make a movie better. And isn't that what you want? Someone to help refine the idea yeah. into a better movie. Mm-hmm. And this, this is something that happens far too often with fans, right? Remember when InSync was like, we want to be in Attack of the Clones? And they're like, they can't be in Attack of the Clones. Well, why? Because this is our fandom and they're a boy band. And like, that doesn't even make sense. It's not like, fair. A, Life's not yeah. fair, kid. And it's, well, and, no, it's, 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 we had, it's bad fandom gatekeeping. Like, it, exactly. I don't know who elected yep. you to be the defender of all things pure and holy regarding Star Wars, but you don't get to be. You don't get to say <laughs> someone doesn't like Star Wars enough for you. I mean, okay, for you, maybe you think that guy doesn't deserve to be a fan. But for me, I think your definition of fan is screwed because that's not how that works. You don't get to say someone is not allowed to play in your sandbox because they like something as much as you do. Like, so long as they like it, they're a fan, period. I think the thing about Simon Pegg is that he, I really do think he comes from a place of love for Star Wars. Of course he does. And even though he doesn't, like some of the movies that I happen to love doesn't invalidate how he feels uh, when he feels warmly about it. And his goal for this is to make it 
as good as what he loved about it. And that's mm-hmm. all anybody can do. And yeah, I it's think a, that's a positive thing. That's absolutely yeah. positive. Look, the only reason it's honestly even a negative so much in the fandom is basically because Rebel Force Radio can't stop harping on the fact that Simon Pegg doesn't like the prequels. And that's about it. It's become a meme at this point. Like Simon Pegg says something, those two are going to like fling feces all over their studio over the fact that Simon Pegg doesn't like something and he needs to get in line somehow. And that's why this is a thing. That's the only reason. It's dumb gatekeeping and it needs to stop. It's not like the guy is going to stop having a relationship with J.J. Abrams anytime soon. It's not going to happen. Like Ryan Johnson is probably going to bounce some ideas off Simon Pegg later. And Ryan Johnson is an avowed uh, admirer and appreciator of the prequels. Yeah. So and there you I, go. Yeah, so it's just one of the other. Yeah, I mean, other tidbits that came out of Entertainment Weekly mm-hmm. was uh, some info about the Han Solo movie. Yeah, yeah. So well, we got actually, an age no, range, right? Yeah, well, it's a. Uh, it's it's fairly interesting. I, I talked about Rebel Force Radio uh, a little bit ago, and they actually had Anthony Bresnikan uh, of Entertainment Weekly. He was the guy that hosted. Uh, the panel at celebrations uh, and he's the guy that was basically in charge of that fall movie preview and all the Star Wars tidbits that we got and I guess he was on their show so it was basically like one unofficial public relations arm talking to the other unofficial public relations arm it was and sort of like um, okay I'm kind of showing my age here again you guys remember Furbies right yeah I remember, remember Furbies. Yeah. Like you, could, you could set them in front of each other and they would actually talk in Furby language other. yes yeah, and that's and that's sort of what happened uh, on, on the show, um, but it was three hours long uh, and full of Lucasfilm uh, discussion. Now I didn't hear all of it because, again, it was three hours long. That's a really long time. But there was some fairly interesting uh, stuff, both in that discussion and in Entertainment Weekly. And uh, the the Han Solo movie stuff was uh, there. But before we get to the Han Solo stuff, one of the things that I do want to talk about because it's sort of kind of related. Uh, is the Josh Trank stuff that Bresnikan sort of uh, hinted at. He didn't say he had official confirmation. Uh, but from what I understand, uh, the movie Trank was working on was a Boba Fett film. Like it um, was he, he put that in his article. Yeah. yeah um, he, where yeah. he was talking about it and he said, we've already talked about this, this, that didn't, I, and it, it was about as unofficial an official confirmation for me as you can get because there's no way Lucasfilm is playing ball with Bresnikan to yeah. give scoops this much if he'd gotten so much wrong and then continues to to place them in articles that they're promoting. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, right. I'm fairly certain that, yes, Trank was going to be working on a Boba Fett film, and that's what Kinberg, I think. I think that's Kinberg's big uh, live-action thing. Like he's, Of course, he's handling Rebels, and he's one of the sounding boards as well uh, on everything that's going through uh, the, the story group, from what I understand. Um, but I believe that movie, the Boba Fett movie, uh, was his and Trank's, uh, and that's supposed to be 2020, I believe, right? That's going to be the last of the, uh, the current spinoff films, correct? That, that was uh, the, my understanding. Yeah. Well, it was the one slated for the Han Solo slot. Oh, and they pushed it back. Oh, of course they yeah. pushed. It. Yeah, <laughs> they had to push it back. Everyone knows why they pushed it back now. Remember when we were talking about how that was all rumored, and we weren't quite sure when we were going to learn exactly what all happened on Fantastic Four, and how much that had to do with uh, his no longer being on Star Wars. That doesn't seem like so much of a question anymore. <laughs> 
No, it seems pretty transparent, I feel like. Yeah, it sort of feels like um, most people would prefer to actually watch uh, a documentary uh, or a biopic, a straight out of Compton-esque biopic about the making of Fantastic Four rather than actually watching Fantastic Four. Um, one of the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, <laughs> one of the other... Uh, one of the other interesting tidbits that came out was that uh, uh, Ren, in Kylo Ren's name, might be more of a moniker, mm-hmm. like Darth. Yeah. Uh, and that Kylo Ren might not be his real name, which is funny because like we've never actually seen this guy in the movie, and they're like, hey, this is this guy's name. And we're like, hey, I bet that guy's name is Kylo Ren, because that's what they told us. And then now they're like, well, maybe that's well, not his actually, name. You guys have been calling him the wrong thing. Take that. <laughs> and yeah, he's a member good. of, I like it, the Knights, the Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren. To me, like, I'm very curious. I know we've seen pictures of, of him in context with the First Order, but I wonder if he's like, if the Knights of Ren are like a Sith cult of sorts. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. fascinating. Yeah, I'm curious. I think the, the potential for mythology that, that goes with that, I think, is is mm-hmm. so. You're like an offshoot strong, of Catholicism is like the Church of Satan. So you're saying it's kind of like a like a Church of Satan, but of cis. That's what I'm. That's yes. That's okay. My thoughts. That's cool. Um, so that was an interesting. I mean, there weren't a lot of revelations. But no. there were well, he, some interesting tidbits. Yeah, he did go into uh, more detail, Abrams did, uh, not only about you know the whole Knights of Ren thing and maybe you don't quite know who Kylo Ren is. And yes, we specifically left uh, Finn and Ray's names, their last names, out of all of our publicity. So uh, you draw from that inference what you will. Like he basically just straight out said that. Um, he did address uh, spoilers and speculation a little bit. Um, he didn't. He didn't do what he'd done previously, which is like, yes, you guys got some of this right, which just sort of emboldened a bunch of people who were already underneath the Christmas tree uh, shaking presents. But uh, he did say, I believe, that there, there, are, there are things that people think they know what direction they're going in uh, and they don't have it right. So there is some speculation out there uh, that people are running absolutely in the wrong direction with. Uh, and he's perfectly fine to let them run in that way can you uh, imagine abrams just sitting at a computer looking at the speculation going oh boy these guys are idiots <laughs> well here's- I, don't, I don't think he'll be saying they're idiots i think he would be going like oh boy this is really going to kick them in the stomach this is going to kick them <laughs> in the chest when they realize that they were going the wrong way with that and that's that's going to be ne- not necessarily a bad thing for the people who are engaging in speculation i know a lot of people uh play these spoiler games and they are excited uh, when the movie plays and they're proved wrong, they love to be proved wrong because that means <laughs> that means they got the best of both worlds. They got to uh, open the present early, but they still get the element of surprise because they went the wrong direction uh, when they when they got to look at a corner of their uh, their present. They so, got to look at the box and they thought they knew exactly what it was, and it turns out no, the toy inside is completely different. Ha ha! So um, somebody was speculating. Their wife was speculating. They contacted me over the weekend and they asked me this question which uh they asked me to to pose to you guys uh this is about finn and ray's last names being intentionally left out and not that it could be a solo or a skywalker but uh one of the one of them could be a child of darth vader what do you think of that little bit of speculation i think that's gonna be i i find that 
kind of outlandish. I don't I don't know how you managed to fit in the fact that uh, the burnt man in the giant iron lungs somehow managed to father another child. Yeah, I, I said no, I don't see him as a sexual being. He, had he could have uh, contributions contributions hey, uh, stored somewhere. <laughs> hey, you guys are underestimating the study into midichlorians that oh, Darth Plagueis and right. Darth Sidious could have passed down to Vader, and he's obviously interested in life. And that was the one thing that Sidious promised him was the knowledge that would spur midi-chlorians to create life just like Anakin was created. So if he yeah. does have another kid, he wouldn't actually have to physically father it. It would just be him like zapping those midi-chlorians and some unsuspecting woman. Yeah. Woe betide. <laughs> Woe betide the smart ass fan who does not take into account the glory of the midi glorians. <laughs> hey, I'm just bringing that up. That's that's Woe a legitimate. Betide you fools. That's, that's a legitimate. Like he could father a kid that way. In in a, in a from a certain. Point I didn't give it any thought about the midi chlorians at all. But uh, my initial re- reaction and response was no. no but now not. that you say that, Brian, it's not out of the <laughs> realm of possibility. I don't know if it's out of the realm. Um, it might be hovering it's above. Probably, the it's probably out of the realm. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of it's standing on the cliff's edge of the realm, waiting for one of those. He makes a good ninja. point, though, if you think about it. Can uh, you can you imagine J.J. Abrams going like, "Okay, Simon Pegg, how would you feel <laughs> if Darth Vader fathered a kid via the midi chlorians?" Oh yeah, and and I Simon like Pegg, goes, mm, mm, he'd rub his chin. Mm. Well, you know what, JJ? That's uh, that's a shite idea. It's shite. <laughs> don't do that. Don't don't do that at all. Okay, thanks, thanks, Simon. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. I'm gonna go be Scotty. Uh, when I come back, uh, don't have any more ideas like that. If you could, please. Thanks. <laughs> um, wow. I, he did mention he did mention uh some of the reasoning behind naming characters the way he did. Um, and again, it wasn't anything really all that spoilery. Um. But it was a decent little insight into how names like Captain Phasma uh, get come up with. It's not yeah, like they just... that was cool. Yeah, they don't just roll a bunch of syllables off their tongue and then throw darts at them to see if they'll sound good or not. Um, like, in fact, Captain Phasma is named partially because the shininess of her outfit reminded him of the, uh, the killer balls from Phantasm. Mm-hmm. And so they just sort of mangled the, the word phantasm into something that sounded Star Warsy and cool. And there you go. That's why Captain Phasma is, is named the way she is. I'm, and there's a lot of there's a lot of other uh, cool little tidbits like that, like uh, Poe Dameron uh, is not a reference to Con Air. It is not. Um, it's a little more low key than that. But I mean, if you haven't checked out those uh, those EW articles uh, and you probably have just check them out again. Uh, they're they're a pretty fun read They're they're um they're decent liner notes uh, is is the way I would put it. You're not going to get a whole bunch of really in-depth, you know, JW Rinsler style information into the making of The Force Awakens. But you're going to get some pretty cool uh liner notes. Well, that's I what think. I liked about it. it. To go through the article quickly, there wasn't a whole bunch of over information that I had to scan through. I could read the whole thing and it wasn't too much. Mm-hmm. So Although like there that. was uh one rumor uh not from Entertainment Weekly, but Entertainment Tonight that more or less got confirmed uh, regarding episode eight. Um, and that is that Benicio del Toro uh, has been approached and it sounds like it's a matter of Lucasfilm uh, and del Toro's agents hammering out the final details, but he's probably going to be in a star Wars movie. I'd like that. I like Benicio del Toro a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. 
I'm on board uh, with that. Yeah, yeah no they, he just ne- near miss on being Khan in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, but now he's apparently going to be some sort of character in a Star Wars movie. So, I mean, you know, if you're Benicio he, Del Toro, you can't. It. Yeah, if you're Benicio Del Toro, you basically you can't lose uh, regardless because you're Benicio Del Toro and most other people in the world aren't that, you know. So, I mean, but this is a double win because like, you know. Star Trek Into Darkness, for whatever reason, uh, has own. It, it, it's a bit of a contentious film. It's not a, a grand slam home run, but uh, he did a pretty good job in Guardians of the Galaxy. So, people liked his weird ass in that movie, and yeah. it looks like he's going to get a shot to uh, show people what he can do on a really, really big pop culture stage uh, with Episode Eight. So another bit of news before we get into D twenty three. Walmart is the king of stupidity. What? How so? Um, so we're counting down days to force Friday when we can all go purchase star Wars merchandise. That's mm-hmm. from the force awakens, but, uh, most of number- which actually leaked out, uh, and uh, Be- you can see almost everything that's going to be hitting toy shelves, uh, on September. Because a number of Walmarts across the country got the boxes in and just said, Hey, those star Wars pegs look pretty, uh, pretty barren over there. Let's just throw these out on the shelves now. Yeah, but that's the kind of stupidity that I applaud as a consumer. Well, Target did uh, that too with Commander Cody Lego sets. I think it was. They're like yeah. uh, they were in the stores in Pennsylvania, and then they're like, "Oh no, we can't sell these until uh, September or whatever." So okay, Walmart, Target, everyone is is uh, their kings of stupidity. But a lot of pictures came out, and I would like to say that I was very happy. Um, a in the looks of a lot of the toys, even though some of them have less articulation than I would like. Mm. Um, and I was also very happy that the packaging gave nothing away. There were no Darth Tyrannus level spoilers on any of the packaging. Yeah, I'm uh, I didn't even look at the packaging because I was scared that that would happen. <laughs> uh, uh, nothing. No I, last I, names for the characters. It's all the very like, you know, uh, the description of Ray's like she's a scavenger from Jakku, and like that's about it. Yeah, uh, I, I made sure to dive in because uh, I am your guys' shield. Uh, and yeah, there are, there's, there's nothing giving away anything on the back of any of these toys. Uh, you're, you're perfectly fine. Um, I do wish that they had, um, like those old GI Joe style and transformer style stat sheets on the back though. That would have been cool to find out. Like if, uh, Ray's stamina was an eight, but her agility <laughs> was a 7.5. <laughs> like I like those sorts of things. Uh, that, that, that's kind of, they don't have those on the back. They just have a uh, little descriptions and then, uh, uh, like. They have these weird packing things with the toys, these weird foldable semi-transformer things that you're supposed to stick on the characters and it just makes them all look weird. I don't get those things. I don't understand them. But uh, that seems to be the big gimmick uh, this time around uh, is that you get a toy and then the toy comes with like this weird transformable add-on thing. Uh, It's sort of like when the Batman movies were out, like the older Batman movies, uh, you know, Batman Forever, Batman uh, and Robin. And there were uh, versions of Batman that were supposed to be uh, from the movie, but had nothing to do with the movie, like the neon green Batman that came with a submarine, you know, like that, that sort of stuff. That that seems to be kind of happening with some of these Star Wars toys. Um, I'm fairly certain all this weird transformable stuff that you're supposed to shove uh, onto Finn uh, it is not actually going to show up in the movie anywhere. I hope so. Um, let's get into D23. Yeah, let's. And, and Amy, where would you like to start there? Where do I even start? There was so much to see and so much Star Wars stuff to see, which I mean is expected because Disney owns Star Wars. But compared to two years ago, like I said, there was it was kind of sparse, sparse mm-hmm. even. 
around the exhibit hall, not just for Star Wars stuff, but for Disney stuff too. It felt more like they were, you know, like when you go to celebration, it is very much a celebration of fans and they're engaging with you on that level. Whereas D23 Expo in the past to me felt like I was just being marketed to. Yeah. And not, it, it wasn't as enjoyable. You kind of walk away, you're like, I don't know how I feel about that experience I just had. But this year, I don't know if they took inspiration from Celebration or not, but it definitely felt more like a two-way street uh, and give and take and not just like they were trying to shove merchandise in my face. So just from the exhibit hall standpoint, which I spent a lot of time exploring on Friday, there were there was an exhibit of, I think this exhibit has been shown elsewhere, but it was small-scale stormtrooper helmets designed in a variety of like different artists put their own takes on them. And that exhibit was so popular wherever it first, just, I, I wish I knew where it first like premiered. It might've been at celebration, but I can't remember. But like, there was like one person that turned the stormtrooper helmet into an Imperial taco truck. One person that turned it into <laughs> like a yarn bomb. And Disney was so inspired by those creations, Disney and Lucasfilm that they actually made that they shrunk it down even further put those different helmet styles into a blind box and sold them. Like it's now a collection you can buy and it's very, it's very artful and a neat way to display a bunch of stormtrooper helmets. And you, since they're only like a few inches tall, you can have a million of them. Yeah. So there was that kind of different, different kind of more that to me, that's more of a fan thing. Cause those are fan designs. I think that's awesome that they turn that into a merchandise product. And I hope the artist got, paid for them in some way um and there was also the my favorite thing that i saw star wars related even more so than maybe even more so than than hearing about the announcements of the theme parks was i didn't know they were going to have phasma armor there but they had phasma armor and i had to give my friend a hard time on friday we were wandering around for a while and she's like oh there's some star wars armor over here i'm like oh like first order trooper armor she's like yeah i'm like okay we should go check that out we meander for a while and we finally get into this area where there's the star wars display and there is there are several sets of first order trooper armor there's finn there's ray there's bb8 kind of some of the same stuff that was at celebration mm -hmm. but when we turn the corner and beautifully lit and all of her shiny chromeness is captain phasma and I yelled at my friend, I'm like, why didn't you lead with the fact that Captain Asmo <laughs> was here? That's, yeah, that's kind of, that's a big one. Immediately. And her, oh, it's just gorgeous. And I stood there and stared for a while. Like if I could have just pulled up a bench and, and put my hands under my chin and stared at Phasma's armor all day, I might've done it. Uh, and just seeing it up close and seeing how, it's feminine like not like that there's like there's not like boob like place you know it's not super feminine but just kind of the way it's styled it feels different than any armor we've seen and getting a close look at the cape and it was just that was stunning and that kind of made my convention because i i didn't know that was going to be there so there was that stuff there was a disney infinity exhibit that i think that was at e3 as well where they had a lot of maquettes and concept art sketches for the Disney, I'm sorry, for the Star Wars editions and also some jumbo size maquettes so that, you know, the infinity figures are what, like a few inches. Yeah. So there were maquettes that were like uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 inches tall. 
for a handful of them, like Vader and Maul, and getting to see those. I I didn't stand in line the, to play um, the game. The guy that uh, sculpted those is the same guy who did the maquettes for the Clone Wars TV series and and for Rebels. They hired him to come in and do some of those initial designs for them. Oh, that's that's perfect, and that makes sense because they. I mean, I know Disney Infinity has its own. They have their own unique style specifically so that all of these different characters can play in a world together and it makes sense. But the Clone Wars and Rebels aesthetics fit that style maybe more perfectly than anything else that I've seen. And I'm not just saying that because I love Star Wars. It just, that animated style works so well. And yeah, that that makes sense because you can see, I think, the influences or the connections to the animated series. Um, um, there, yeah, there, was- so there was a lot. There's a mashup cosplay too that was fantastic. Well, while we're talking about Infinity really fast, they did reveal um, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega came out on stage and revealed their uh, Infinity figures for the first time. And I've got some quotes from them uh, on stage as they did it, if you guys would like to hear those because they're hilarious. Would love to. Uh, Please. So John Boyega, uh, he came out with his action figure. And he says, this is crazy. I have an actual action figure. I'm so honored. My toy box on Infinity 2.0 isn't as good as some. I'm still working on it, but Finn's rifle's the most powerful weapon in the game. And then Daisy Ridley says, I don't need the most powerful weapon in the game because I'm a badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that so. quote is badass. <laughs> well, I've heard actually, uh, I've heard that they will both um, this is not really spoilery, but I have heard that they will both have uh, ample opportunity in The Force Awakens uh, to prove both their uh, their weapons-based and their physical hand-to-hand based uh, fighting prowess. Their badassery? I've heard there's going to be some badassery on display from both of them uh, in ways that uh, you haven't really seen in a Star Wars movie before. And I know that's saying something considering uh, the acrobatics and physicality, physicality on display by, you know, uh, Hayden Christensen uh, and Ewan McGregor uh, in the in the last three movies, but uh, apparently the, we're going somewhere new and a little bit different with uh, with the action uh, in this film. J.J. Abrams has a a pretty I don't want to say unique, but a, a distinctive sense of how to direct action and how to make things move in the frame and how to have people you know fight each other uh, and how to have that stuff feel uh, a little bit more impactful. And from what I understand, that's going to happen in the Force Awakens. Um. I'm excited for that. Um, that 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 could lead very easily into uh, a discussion about what was announced about Rogue One, which is no longer being referred to as an anthology film. Yeah, they changed that again. Like I remember when they announced right. Rogue One. When they announced Rogue One, they didn't. They were like, we don't know exactly how we're going to brand these things yet. Um, so for a while there, it was just going to be called Rogue One. Like it wasn't going to have Star Wars colon Rogue One or. Um, you know, anything like that. And then it was, uh, there were going to be a series of films called the anthology films. Uh, and now that's changed. And, uh, I don't know if this is actually the official title or if it's just how the marketing is going to look. Uh, but it's rogue one, a star Wars story. And that's how all the anthology films are going to be labeled from now on. It's going to be name of anthology film, a star Wars story. Um, that's, that's an interesting choice. I don't know if I'm, I'm not necessarily against it, but I do think it makes it a little bit harder for people to to write about in order to differentiate between like the mainline or the saga films. Because before you could be like spinoff or anthology, and hey, you, 
that you were Guess talk- what, Bobby? Yeah. We, we can still do that because we, we have free agency. <laughs> true. True. Yes, very true. It's not, uh, Lucasfilm ninjas aren't going to descend from the ceiling, rappling down and smack our hands because we don't refer to it as a Star Wars story. Yeah, it sounds You're like the movie of the right. week, though. I'd rather, I, I think it sounds better, Star Wars Rogue One, but... Yeah. Well, I don't know. I like. I sort of like a Star Wars story because it yeah, is. If you say it like that, but that's not yeah. going to so, trans translate so on a poster. The the segue there though is that we get our first look at uh, Donnie Yen mm-hmm. in the movie, and he appears to be some sort of blind ass kicker. Oh man, they're all. They all look like ass kicker. It looks like the Star Wars version of the Suicide Squad. Oh, the I was yes. Beast. I was that, thinking. This evoked almost instantly to me, like the Dirty Dozen. Yeah, um, and and that that that's probably where they're going. Not Suicide Squad. I I seriously doubt that uh, Chris White's <laughs> and Gareth Edwards were like, oh no, yeah, yeah, the the Harley Quinn book that just got re released by DC for the New Fifty Two. We'll use that one as our template. Um, they're probably using Dirty Dozen. That makes a little bit more. Sense. So, but Donnie Yen is famous for his Hong Kong action acumen mm-hmm. and his. Uh, and his role as a fight choreographer, and here he is front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, this is the first like front and center sort of Asian lead character we're seeing in a movie, uh, in a Star well, Wars the, movie. The multiculturalism on Rogue One is is nuts. Um, like aside from Felicity Jones uh, in that picture, I I don't even know if there is a white person. I, I uh, think in that it, picture, no. Uh, the only other there's two other. Uh, yeah. white people in the cast, Ben Mendelsohn, whose role is unrevealed, and uh, a surprise to, uh, I think, everyone, uh, Alan Tudyk, uh, but he will be playing a performance capture character. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't the white guy I thought you were going to say surprised oh, everyone. Oh, Mads yeah. Mendelsohn. Yeah. Oh, Mads Ma- Hannibal oh. is in Star right? Wars, man. Yeah. Hannibal is in Star Wars. Le Chief is in Star Wars. And actually, I found out uh, just recently uh, in one of the uh, Star Wars short stories that has been uh, written since uh, the canon got rebooted, I guess an illustrator uh, illustrated uh, a character in one of these short stories to basically look like Lashif. Exactly. Um, <laughs> they took they took <gasps> like a screen amazing. cap. Yeah, they took a screen cap of Lashif uh, and then put him in an imperial uniform. And so now people are speculating that what's happening is uh, Mads Mikkelsen will essentially be playing the character that was rendered from his appearance in an illustration for a short story. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to be the case, but uh, I do think it's entirely possible. Uh, and actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say, for me, for my part, uh, this is the best cast ever assembled for a Star Wars movie, period. So, I would like to ask Amy a question about the cast, um, because we had some some listeners tweet in and ask us about this, where this cast is a huge victory for uh, racial and ethnic diversity. And if Donnie is indeed blind, then then that's a, an added level of diversity that you don't get in many films at all, uh, let alone a Star Wars film. So it's definitely a first. Um, but that it was disappointing to some that Felicity Jones was the only female in the picture and in the cast. No, I agree. It's frustrating. And it's one of those things you have to, you know, you're tempered because, or you have to temper it with a lot of other aspects and I was very pleased you know when Felicity Jones was the first one who was announced and announced as the lead that was a big step forward I feel like for Star Wars and they've just been a little after especially after what happened with episode seven cast photo when that first came out 
Mm-hmm. So it's hard because it is a diversity win in several areas. And it's a big stride forward and very much matches what Kathleen Kennedy said about celebration. It said at celebration about focusing on diversity and making it more of a priority. But she also mentioned specifically female characters and to get this whole cast announced and only to have one female among them. It's not my, I'm not. You're conflicted. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because it is like you said, like look, look at this diversity in ethnicity. Yeah. That's kind of spectacular. Like you you don't, yeah, you don't want to just sort of, shrug your shoulders and say it but i mean you kind of you kind of gotta shrug your shoulders and be like star wars gonna star wars like that's sort of my takeaway (laughs) on this i mean you kind of hope that eventually in like you know four or five years when you say star wars gonna star wars it'll mean something a little bit different but right now uh even if it is probably the best cast assembled for a star wars film and i do believe that it is uh the fact that there is only one female even if she is yeah, there's a single woman. Even if she is the lead. She is the lead. Like, she is probably right. the rogue one of the title. That is her, I would imagine. Uh, maybe it refers to the entire group, but I would imagine she is the rogue one. Like, the movie is hers. Uh, it's still, it's just it's just her. So, And it makes me, you know, except for Rebels, like, I feel like it builds this weird theory that in any group with a Rebel Alliance, like, subsect, like, there can only be one lady. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's an unwritten... You have Leia Star- with this group. You're good. You have Mon Mothma here. Mm-hmm. You're good. Star Wars gonna Star Wars, you guys. Sure so enough. yeah. So there it is a- frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very interested in 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 hearing hearing your take on that. I mean, like for me, I'm kind of in the like. Yes, I would like to see more women in Star Wars in general. Um, I would have liked to see more women in this cast, but um, you know, we get tweets from listeners who are like seeing this photo literally made me cry because I've never seen like a real Asian character in Star Wars. Um, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, so it's yes. like... This is amazing. Like, look, look, let's name them off because the quality of acting in this film is already... Please. It's already sky high. So you got Diego Luna. We've already mentioned Felicity Jones. Uh, you got Donnie Yen. Uh, you got Alan Tudyk. You got Forrest Whitaker is up in this movie doing something. Like that in and of itself is crazy. You got the ghost dog himself. Ghost in a Star dog. Wars movie. Oh man, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, who is one of the best actors working today. Period. Point blank. Uh, we don't know what role he's going to be playing, but I guarantee he's going to capture your attention one hundred percent whenever he's on screen. Mads Mikkelsen is up in this film. Like this is a man who took a role that won Anthony Hopkins an Oscar in 15 minutes and completely rewrote it and now owns it so completely that when I watch The Silence of the Lambs, as classic as that film still is, as good as that performance from Hopkins still is, and it is, still is really good, it seems like something other. It seems lesser to me now. Mads Mikkelsen did that with one of the most well-known horror characters in American fiction. And he's going to be in a Star Wars movie like this cast is so loaded. I am my anticipation for Rogue One is sky high. The only thing that is remotely tempering it. And this is something I do think we need to bring up. And it's something that I know Brian is going to end up touching on in his own way when we get to the next bit of news. Um, I am a little bit worried about Gareth Edwards ability to direct actors because that was a. We, I've talked about it before on this show. I don't think he did a very good job with the actors in Godzilla. 
And I absolutely believe he did a terrible job with the actors in Monsters. He's got a great sense of atmosphere. He's got a great sense of, of framing, uh, of, of scale. Uh, he knows how to make an image pop off that screen in a way a bunch of directors have no clue how to do. But he doesn't seem to be very comfortable with getting actors to deliver performances that bring everything so, to life just a little bit more. There's, I, I, I've got... I generally agree with you. I did not like Godzilla that much, but mm. when he cast Brian Cranston, right? Yeah. Cranston brought his package of acting reality to that in a way so that er- Edwards did not have to deliver that. And Cranston you gonna, just, you just be very happy that you talked about his acting package. He's, he's um, very appreciative. <laughs> Make sure so, you bring that next time you see him at a con. He'll, he'll, so the level of talent assembled here, it's like he cast everyone as well as Brian Cranston. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like he can't. But it's, but, it, but, but it's not like on Godzilla. It was Cranston and then a bunch of nobodies. Like Elizabeth Olsen can act. Uh, people like to slag off Kickass Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, for being a, a pretty face, but he can actually act as well. He's been in more than a few movies where he's shown some chops. Like you had Ken Watanabe script too, though they were given nothing. I mean, you've got Aaron Taylor Johnson who can go in and be like, so I'm a specialist who has to do this. And then my job changes and I have to be a specialist who does that. And then this doesn't even make any sense. And they're like, just say the lines, man. (laughs) Well, that's part, that's part of the problem. Just say the lines is a directorial thing. That's not necessarily (laughs) a screenplay thing. Like they're, they're, there are lines of dialogue that they are delivering back and forth to each other, like David Strathairn uh, and Ken Watanabe. Again, two powerhouse actors. And they're bouncing dialogue off each other back and forth. And the dialogue is telling me that they're supposed to be feeling emotions, that they're supposed to be referencing uh, reactions that neither of them are actually giving. So that ends up making the words even flatter because the director isn't having the actors say those words with the feeling that the words themselves are making reference to. And that happened a lot in Godzilla. And I don't want that to happen with Rogue One. We'll see how it goes. But there is one last thing about Rogue One um, I'd like to point out that I think people are sort of um, forgetting that the plot of Rogue One is laid out quite neatly with details I don't necessarily think people have put together yet or I haven't heard or read Mm -hmm. um, in the opening crawl to A New Hope. Um, I watched A New Hope again over the weekend and I, you know, the opening crawl text is something I don't read every time I watch the movie. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'm it's, usually doing something else. Yeah. But uh, um, in the first two paragraphs you have, you know, obviously rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire. Um, so obviously this is a huge conflict going on. The first coordinated effort of the rebels during that battle so there's a huge battle going on around everything that this team in rogue one is doing rebel spies managed to steal the secret plans to the empire's ultimate weapon the death star um and i think that the fact that there's a huge battle going on around the insertion mission that these guys are going on um is something that not a lot of people have like talked about or been reminded of uh as we've talked about rogue one yeah I also forgot to uh, shout out Riz Ahmed, who is a really great actor that is also in this movie. Um, as you were talking about stealing the plans and, uh, and uh, the sort of technological stuff that it would have to go into that, um, I looked at the photo again, and there's Riz Ahmed with a, a whole bunch of tech gear, and he's, he's sort of banging away at it. And I get the sense he's going to be the, uh, the nerd of the group. Uh, and uh, Riz Ahmed, if you haven't seen uh, Nightcrawler, he's, uh, he's the uh, cameraman uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal in that film, and he turns in an absolutely brilliant performance. 
uh, in that movie. Uh, and <laughs> actually, yeah, if you don't know who Donnie Yen is, uh, you need to check out Iron Monkey and you need to check out the Ip Man series. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know who Riz Ahmed is, go ahead and check out Nightcrawler. Um, there's seriously, just go down IMDb. Every actor that's been announced for Rogue One, <laughs> click on their name and look at their filmography and just go ahead and grab at random a couple movies and you uh, and some acting on display. Go, like, yeah. Diego before, Luna, mm-hmm. Mama Tambien. Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, I mentioned Ghost Dog earlier, but I mean, if you're going to click on Forrest Whitaker, check out The Last King of Scotland, like him and James McAvoy. <sighs> mm. That movie nuts. That movie so, is so brilliant. Uh, so uh, anyway, but while we were talking about directors um, that I'm a little bit worried about, uh, Brian. I'm a little it, worried that yeah. uh, uh, Trevorrow has been announced mm-hmm. as the director for episode nine officially uh, because I found Jurassic World to be so mediocre. Uh, <laughs> the action sequences were competent, yeah. but the script and the story were beyond idiotic. Uh, it was uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind that, but I don't want that in a Star Wars movie. But exactly. have you seen, have you seen Safety Not Guaranteed? I've not, and that's kind of what everybody keeps telling me to temper my expectations. Um, that's a really, really charming movie. Really, it, charming. It's charming is exactly the yes, mm. it is. Like that, that movie should not work as well as it does, and it absolutely does. And I gotta believe that's because of the way Trevorrow directed it. Because directed there's, it, yeah. And yeah. you know what? I'll tell you exactly why I never checked it out, though, is because they build it as from the producers of Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. And I think Little Miss Sunshine is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Is that the one where the, he's time traveler or he's going back in time and the girl's going to go with him? Safety Not Guaranteed? Yeah. Yeah. Safety yeah. Not Guaranteed is a movie that is based on a, a really old internet meme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which seems like it should be a recipe. Again, like I'm saying, that movie should not work. A movie that is based on an internet meme from like 2003. That shouldn't work. You shouldn't be able to take an internet meme uh, and turn it into a film. Uh, Lord knows Grumpy Cat tried over on Lifetime, and that did not work out very well. Uh, but uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. I like that movie. Uh, you, with the Grumpy Cat movie? No, Safety Not Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, Mike, man, like I know this is your show, but I'm about to stage a coup. Anya loves me. the Grumpy Cat movie. Oh, well, I mean. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, okay. All right. Anyway, anyway, she's a minor. She's allowed to have bad taste sometimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah, it certainly is bad taste on that behalf. Now, when we're children, we like a lot of crap because we haven't developed the taste to realize that stuff is crap yet. This is why there are still grown men listening right now who think that Transformers, the movie from 1986, is legitimately good. It's not. <laughs> it's a terrible film. It's a horrible film. The only reason it works is because it took a shotgun to your toy box and that sort of stuff is horrifying and terrible and will imprint on you as a young child. But as a film, it is garbage. It is terrible. Um, and that's the sort of thing that we eat up when we're children because we don't so, know any better. We have no clue. And that's how Grumpy Cat works on Anya. Eventually, uh, 15 years, she'll grow up and she'll look back on Grumpy Cat and go, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? I should have never revisited this. But it will still have a little nice piece in her heart because the Transformers yeah. movie, while it was not great, it's still one of those things I look back on and say, oh, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, at least it gave us Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al. Yeah, Hank. there you go. There's that. There's that at least. Amy, do you want to uh, get us into the Disney Parks stuff? That that little announcement they kind of had at the end there? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Disney mastered the art of the tease at, by, at the end of their live action panel by casually, you know, mentioning, announcing that Star Wars Land is indeed coming to the Disney Parks. And this is something that has been rumored, speculated 
guest we've been given vague non-answers about for a long time. So Bob Iger laid it out 14 acres uh, in both Disneyland and Disney Hollywood Studios. So you have Anaheim and Orlando covered. They're getting the same same amount of land each place. See, that surprised me. <clears throat> but I'm not... I, mm, uh, it did not surprise me just because I think Disney is looking at the success Universal has had with Harry Potter and looking at how they're bringing that from the East Coast to the West Coast. No, and it makes the amount sense. of dollars that it means. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I just figured that they'd do it out in, in California and it would be a huge success and then they would do it. it I think Star they know Wars, it's man. going to be a huge success. Yeah, I don't think they need to have a test market yeah. for that. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Um, and the land, rather than going to. From, rather than being, I guess, based in a familiar place, we already know the land, the 14 acres in each place, is going to be set in a new planet that we've never been to or, or encountered. And it's kind of like a gateway, like bustling spaceport planet, I believe. They, they, I think it's on the outer rim. And they're going to make it totally immersive. Again, I think this is where they're taking a page, which we've seen them do already from Universal with Cars Land uh, and making an immersive theme park experience they every cast member that's in there in this establishment this area whether it's you know somebody serving drinks at a restaurant somebody selling you stuff selling you merchandise it's all in story so you won't be buying random souvenir from a disney cast member you'll be buying random souvenir from an alien or somebody who is part of this universe and has a backstory and it's all involved. So when you walk in, you're walking into Star Wars. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that's such a great well, approach. And the Millennium Falcon, we get to drive it. Fly it. Yeah, there's going to be two attractions in each place. And one of them is getting to fly the Millennium Falcon, which is pretty goddamn amazing. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel, Amy? I am pretty stoked. And the other one, but will there I feel be the other attraction is aboard the Falcon. Oh, that's right. We have to put a special request in for Millennium Falcon bathroom facilities, please. Maybe it'll be in the queue. Maybe yeah. there'll be a door, at least, if we can't use it. This is a head and Orbesh. Um, <laughs> priorities, Disney. And there'll be a second attraction as well that I think it puts you in the middle of the battle between the Resistance and the First Order. So it is set, you know, in the context of Force the force awakens time period which um, makes sense since those are the new films there's there's some other stuff they're doing too where they said that they are indeed adding force awakens locations to star tours yep they're adding one uh, new planet and characters sweet. and that's happening and, the, the keynote about that really quickly is that it's happening because that star wars land is they didn't give a date so it's far it's not anytime soon so to get us through they're doing little like smaller things to bring star wars to the parks um, including that star tours update which i think they said what happened by the end of the year and the other really cool thing that i'm excited about because space mountain is one of my favorite rides but they're actually going to be doing like sort of a a star wars days sort of like season um, at both parks and they're going to convert space mountain into like, you're going to be able to ride space mountain with star Wars music and the backgrounds and the galaxies and everything are going to be star Wars themed. Um, and, uh, uh, it, 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 they're doing it the same way that every, every, you know, Halloween to Christmas season, you go to the haunted mansion and it's nightmare before Christmas themed. Um, 
And yeah, I really Space think Mountain that, is a ghost. It's a ghosty theme for the Halloween. Yeah. They'll do the same thing. Only at Disneyland, though. Well, but this would be at both parks, uh, according to no, the, no, no. They said that the panel that Hyperspace oh. Mountain is only at Disneyland, and then Disney oh. Hollywood Studios, which is also celebrating the limited event, is getting special fireworks. Oh well, you know what? They can keep that because no one really cares about Disney World anyway. Plus, plus, you know what? They get they get Star Wars weekends. So, exactly. Whatever. You went from so jubilant to so petty in this, <laughs> <laughs> right? In such a short amount of time. Here's a here's I'm an awesome that we thing. Don't have Star Wars week. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh wait, I don't get this awesome thing. Well, so, who I don't like that anyway. <laughs> um. So, uh, Bobby and Mike. Yeah. I'm curious about whether or not uh, what you've heard about the new Disney Star Wars Land Park would be enough to get you to go and check that out. Mike, in California, I'm still not going to Florida. But you would go, you would go to Disneyland in California. You know what? From from our last trip to California, it was such a overwhelming surprise that I have no problem, and I have plans to revisit it and uh, and check that all out because um, I would be doing myself a disservice if I was just going to be stubborn and not do it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, reading everything and, and listening to you guys talk and going over everything. It's uh, it's a no brainer for me now. It really is. No, I'm probably not. St- I'm probably still not going to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds super cool. Like hearing that it's going to be 14 acres of uh, in character Star Wars madness. Uh, sounds so sound- fun. God, that sounds nuts. Um, and I guess I don't know. Like for me, one of the first things I went to was like, man, what's it going to be like working there? Like. <laughs> Like those people who have to pretend to be Gaston and Bell, uh, you know, 100% all the time, all day, and all the really cool interactions that you see people putting up on YouTube in uh, Facebook and such with those actors as they just buy into their roles 100%. Like that seems like that's going to be a fascinating thing to to sort of be involved in, uh, in one way or another. But uh, like, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm I'm too old. Uh, and I don't have enough children, which is to say I don't have any. Uh, <laughs> and that I, don't I don't either. I know, I know. But I'm like, you're, ne- you're never too old for Disneyland, Bobby. We will, think, we will figure think, out something that will ignite that spark of joy back in your soul. I've got, I've got sparks of joy all over the place. I'm sparking like, like a, like a Mario Kart. I don't know. You know? We got to spark you out of your basement for just a weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I just think there's something about Disneyland that uh, that missed me during that one key period where it should have uh, taken root uh, in the fertile soil of my uh, my childhood and then flowered an appreciation for years and years to come. Yeah, and I think it just missed me. It never embedded uh, and light was never shown upon it and water never allowed it to grow. And it's just a barren patch uh, in my insides. And that's just how I'm going. Yeah, but to you have-, have to give it a try because I was the same way. I, I felt the same exact way you did it, and, and it really doesn't have anything to do with with Anya. I mean, it was great having her there and seeing her experience all this. But me, as a person, as the the yeah. Mike pilot, going and experiencing this, it changed me in such a way from my beliefs of what I thought. <laughs> I, I, you just have to. It's. I think your mind would change if you did it. All right, all right, all right. Still not going. Just say it. But I'm- <laughs> Although One of I these just, days, we, we did. Days, we did anonymous- jump. Go ahead. Yeah. No, we did jump over uh, before we uh, landed in uh, Star Wars land, which I think they should actually call the galaxy far, far away. 
Like the fact that I'm not going to go to it ever doesn't mean I don't have an opinion on how they're doing it wrong. No, you're not allowed <laughs> to have opinions. <laughs> um, I don't know why you would call it Star Wars Land. Call it the galaxy far, far away. They didn't like actually it. refer to it as Star Wars Land. Everyone's referring to it as Star Wars well, Land. Well, that's because it's Disneyland and everything there is a land. But yeah. they were very careful not to use that nomenclature in the presentation. It's a galaxy yeah. far, far away land. No, you can't. Yeah, which makes change, no sense. Like, because for a long time we were calling Avatar Avatar Land, but they announced that it's going to be called Pandora, the world of Avatar. So I think we'll see something like that with Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, that makes way more sense. I don't know why nope. you would call something Wait. Avatar Land when Avatar, the world that you'd be visiting in Avatar Land, has a name in the movie. Like, why well, wouldn't you call Disney it? Disney Star Wars That's, Parks, a Star Wars story. I, my guess is it'll be the same. <laughs> it'll be the same with whatever, whenever they announce what planet it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, they'll refer to it by that planet. And, and to be honest, part of the reason that they haven't announced it is probably because it's going to be something that might feature in one of the new movies yeah maybe maybe it will um but before we hopped into uh you know the galaxy far far away that's going to be occupying 14 acres in florida and california uh we skipped over one of the uh the bigger announcements uh at d23 which was uh the return of drew struzan from retirement to poster making for star wars oh yeah okay (laughs) it's weird like colin trevorrow who just came off of uh, the third biggest domestic film uh, in American history uh, gets announced for episode nine and Mike's reaction uh, was essentially how a lot of people reacted. It wasn't overwhelming joy. It was sort of like, uh, and we finally get Drew Struzan coming out of retirement to work on a Star Wars poster. Now, keep in mind, I said a and not the, the yeah. Star Wars poster. It's a Star Wars poster. Um, and reaction was mixed. This is a. Uh, this is not the man's best work. I'm not saying it's a bad poster, because it's not. But it's also a little uninspired, um, which might be why it was a uh, D23 exclusive and not the actual well, theatrical that was, poster. Did that I, was my, my thinking, is that this was probably one of his exercises to get warmed up for the other one, which mm-hmm. is why I'm so sick of people going like, wait a second, is Jakku Tatooine? Because there's two sons, like, there's three there sons are three posters. different backgrounds. <laughs> Yeah. There are three different backgrounds on that poster, and they each feature a son because it was probably interesting for Drew Struzan to yeah. do it that way. Yeah, um, so, the, the, had, the poster itself is sort of the poster itself is sort of out of balance. Honestly, I saw someone because this is what happens uh, with people on the internet. Uh, something comes out and they don't quite like it, uh, and because they have Photoshop, they consider themselves uh, artists. Fixers. They they go and they fix things. Uh, the Superman suit uh, is too dark. Well, they fixed it. They know where the contrast knobs are, and now they fixed something for <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, and uh, someone actually went through and fixed the Drew Struzan poster. And I gotta admit that the fix actually seems to work. They just removed Han Solo from the bottom, and suddenly the poster seems a lot more balanced. Um, that, uh, I mean, and that could have been something. I mean, um, yeah. I wouldn't put it past Disney that to have just said, "Hey." Let's take that Han Solo that's on the real poster and mm-hmm. copy and paste him here because we're going to have him and it's D23 and everybody likes Han Solo. And, mm-hmm. you know, that could have happened. Yeah. I mean, we should mention that, again, it's not a bad poster. Yeah. Now, um, here's the thing. Still, it's still Drew Struzan artwork and it looks it looks good. Uh, the, the likenesses, at least it's not like, you know, photoshopped floating heads like everyone uh, is very much used to. Uh, and it shows Finn igniting Luke's lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, huh? Uh, huh? 
I don't <laughs> think people were quite expecting that. Um, they, I don't know, maybe they should have been, but people seem to be a little bit taken aback by the idea that uh, Finn is holding a lightsaber, but it is Ray dead center of that poster. So, I mean, even if it isn't the actual theatrical poster, that poster is sort of telling you something like, yes, you know, Kylo Ren is the bad guy. Yes, you know, Han Solo is important, but maybe, but you know, by his placement on the poster that he's got a supporting role. Um, you know, now that Finn turns on Luke's lightsaber. Which um, makes me and you know that, about him. And you know that this movie is Ray's. It's her movie. She's dead center. Um, wait, why does him turning on the lightsaber yeah. worry, Brian? So every time anybody's wielded that lightsaber within a, within a movie and a half, they've lost a limb. Oh, oof. Yeah, that's a good point. That's every oof. single uh, time. But you know what? People lose, lose limbs in Star Wars. They seem to bounce back pretty okay. I don't. True. Like I, I don't. I think know that's yeah, they're a little bit more injury. advanced than Mad Max. But, it, but I it's, mean, it's kind of awful. It's not a fun experience for him, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's sort but of it's like we sprain our ankles is how they they lose limbs. Yeah, no, it's 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 not a big kind deal of, at all. Yeah. Every every lost limb in Star Wars uh, of a main character has been emotionally like trying for the audience, whether that was uh, Obi Wan hacking off all of Anakin's limbs or Vader cutting off Luke's hand at the end of Empire. They're all. Uh, punctuation marks on very poignant moments. I didn't have and, any problem with Mace Windu losing his arm. Sorry. Well, that's that's a personal issue between you and Mace Windu. <laughs> I did want to say about the poster. I, I, I made that noise when you brought it up. I, mm-hmm. I had my friend Nate looking to try to pick me one up while he was out there. Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that. I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm being spoiled. I just expected a little more than that. It's it's beautiful. It's a nice poster. I just was expecting. But this is more. this is never going to be in a theater lobby, right? This is yeah. not. It's no. never been consumed for anything but super nerds who are following every moment of Star Wars coverage or are there in person. Like this is not for mass consumption. No, yeah. I mean the 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 likenesses of Ray and uh, Finn are cool. I like the poses. I like the way they're composed. It's just overall, it really does seem like, and I've mentioned it before. Uh, it seems like one of those things that uh, if this was the mid 90s, you would have found it uh, rolled up uh, and, and stuck in one of those racks in the back of a Sam Goody next to the, you know, the Tupac and the Nirvana posters. Like it would have been that kind of poster, not the theatrical poster, but that kind of poster. And there are people from a certain uh, age bracket who understand exactly what kind of poster uh, I'm talking about. You know, like, like those Tony Soprano posters. The that felt had, like, unicorns. Yeah, they had an inspirational quote on the on the or the one where like, you know, Tupac is shirtless and half of his lyrics are scrolling behind him. All eyes on me. Yeah. Only God can judge me. That sort of thing. (laughs) And then right next to it would be this Star Wars poster. Um, So I I think that's what I mean. I got to imagine that Struzan is going to be doing the theatrical because I can't imagine they had him come out of retirement and paid him money solely to do a poster that is only going to get given out to seventy five hundred people. So I got to imagine this is either I don't want to say a rough draft because obviously it's for you know public consumption. So I don't think it's like a you know a, a work in progress or a, a warm up or anything. I think it's absolutely a finished work. I think it's just a finished work that uh, didn't pass muster. So I got to think that there's going to be a theatrical poster by Drew Struzan that is coming uh, that will make this uh, look not as good as it does. Uh, so hopefully we'll see what that is. Although maybe it's entirely possible, especially considering how much work that they have been giving to the guy that the theatrical poster might not be Drew Struzan. It could be Phil Noto. Like he is all over the covers of oh. a lot 
a lot of publishing and those covers are all amazing. There's a, uh, a variant cover. Spectacular work. Oh my God. There's a variant cover of uh, uh, shattered empire that has Luke carrying Vader's body off of death star Two, And that's, that's an amazing image that he's got there. Like there's so much like if you type in Phil Noto star Wars into Google image search, man, that's a lot of really amazing star Wars imagery. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe they did get Drew just for uh, D23, and maybe they got Phil Noto doing the theatrical poster. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you look at Phil Noto's work. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. D23, Mike's reaction to the poster sort of seems like the reaction to D23 uh, in total if you were looking at D23 from a very specific perspective, which was, give me the news, give me now, wow me. Uh, D23, from a visitor's perspective, as Amy pointed out, seemed way way more fun way more interesting and it looked like they were trying to cater to the fans in a way beyond just selling them goods uh but for us who wanted like information spooned into our eyes raw and hardcore um d23 i don't want to say it was a letdown but it was a bit of a mixed bag because ew basically gave us most of the information that we wanted from d23 and the information we did get from d23 was sort of like oh well trevor rose directing episode nine huh Oh, we got a Struzan post. Oh, the Struzan. Well, I think you're underestimating your uh, your uh, ambivalence to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I think really shades how much news we actually got. I think that announcement no. was absolutely that huge. Was, no, no, no. I'm I'm, 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 sort, I'm sort of separating the the Disney parks announcement from uh, all the movie uh, and media stuff. The parks announcement is absolutely big. Like I can't even if I don't want to go to Disneyland anytime soon. There's no way you're going to get me to deny how huge that news was because that's going to be a big thing. That's a, I mean, and literally a big thing. This is going to be the single largest uh, land in Disneyland ever. Correct. I don't, I think it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Sh- it's the single largest land expansion. So that, yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is huge. This is huge news on that front and the ability for people to be able to actually visit and interact with uh the star wars universe in that way is unprecedented and there's no getting around that so even if i'm not going uh but, the fact that that now exists is huge news i have to but say i'll go ahead brian oh i was just gonna say i think um d23 is exactly the right place to hit the home run with that sort of news rather mm-hmm. than who's directing what and who and, yeah. and, and and information about the movie mm-hmm. um i think d23 was the absolute perfect venue for the way for what they announced and how they did it no yeah that's and that's kind of the point that i'm driving at like if if you approach d23 expecting it to be san diego comic-con part two like you were sort of setting yourself up for the shrug uh but if you but now i think a lot of people are going to have a better idea as to what d23 uh really is and what they should expect out of it and that'll allow them to sort of adjust their expectations the next time that it comes out and it's not just the star wars stuff like there were marvel fans who ended up coming away from D23 in sort of the exact same way. Like they were approaching D23 thinking, uh, we're going to get a look at the Spidey suit. Uh, we're going to get a look at this. Uh, they're going to announce such and such. I mean, and we got some cool stuff from the Marvel side, but it wasn't San Diego Comic-Con Part 2. And I think some people came away with the shrug because they didn't exactly know how to align their expectations for what D23 was going to give them. Uh, and like, you know, pe- people like Amy did it right. And she's not coming away from D23 with the shrug. Am I correct? You are absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean. I came uh, in with a, yeah, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could see that. 
I, I just want to point out real quick uh, the ridiculousness of people, though. Um, if you look up these posters, the Struzan poster up on eBay right now, uh, they mm-hmm. released that poster. There was a Jungle Book poster and another one that came out at D23. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Jungle Book one is $29 on eBay, and the Struzan one is people have up for $1,000. <laughs> That's it's, ridiculous. Man. Well, and some of the toys are getting sold on eBay for uh, ridiculous amounts. I believe like a Black Series Ray toy that comes with BB-8, as a matter of fact. Um, I think that was going for like six hundred, seven hundred wow. last time I saw on eBay, wow. and and that wasn't like a junk Jeez. bid because a lot a lot of the bids that pop up on eBay are junk bids, so that a news uh, a news reporter can report on the story and say that it went for this, but then of course the bidder of course yanked their bid out uh, once everything closed yeah. and ended up having to go to secondary sales and such. Um, but I think uh, some of these have closed at like six hundred, eight hundred dollars. That's just crazy. All right, well, listen, we are way over time this week. Is there anything else we wanted to touch up on? I, don't, I think we've touched up on it. I think we no. got it all in. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, we will. Uh, we'll end it there. And uh, if you guys want to get uh, your voicemails or emails to us, you can do so two zero six four two six five five nine two or the Speakpipe app on the website and Holocron at fullsith dot com, uh, Facebook dot com slash fullsith. Uh, we put stuff up there, so check it out uh, daily. And then Twitter uh, at fullsith at the mic at swankwintron at amy underscore geek and. Um, Fullsit.com. We'll have show notes and links. We're going to have a lot of links from this past episode in case you didn't check any of these things out online. And we are your sole source of news. Then we'll put those links up for you. Um, besides that, BrianInFiction.com, Big Shiny Robot. Amy, uh, anything that we want to talk about quick that you have coming up? No, I'm good. Amy's good. And Bobby, he's just there. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just here. Although I do want to point out, uh, we also, I think, got a run time for The Force Awakens, 125 minutes. So we, so we know it's two hours and five minutes. I think this is pretty close to being one of the shortest Star Wars movies ever. If not, no, the that's, that's 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 average, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty average. I don't think it's average. Mm. I think it's I think it's just a little bit shorter. I should know this off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to be a, such a failure <laughs> for Star Wars trivia teams in the future. Like this is the sort of thing that would lose my team points and they would throw popcorn at me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we we have a runtime. That bit of information came out as well. So uh, yeah. About two hours of joy coming December 18th. We're almost there. Force Friday is creeping up on us. That means another trailer is going to be coming soon. We're going to get the theatrical aftermath. poster. Oh, yeah. Aftermath is coming. That's right. Exciting times, kids. We're swimming in it, kids. Yeah, we are living in an amazing time. So enjoy it while you can. All right. Yeah. So episode 128 of Full Sith for Bobby Roberts and Brian Young and Amy Ratcliffe. I'm the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you, always. If you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.